It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, reviewing Rudy Gobert's season, why this was arguably his worst season in years, like many multiple years, almost his entire career. We'll break down what areas Gobert disappointed in the most, why it was so impactful to the Timberwolves, really on both ends of the floor, but especially offensively. We're getting all that on the show here today. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. Happy Thursday, everybody. And a big thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, Locked Dead Wolves is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find Locked On Wolves. You can also watch it on the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can follow on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves and also at my account, which is at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, uh, we're continuing our player review series. We're cruising through the uh, the core rotation players right now. Uh, we've already done Mike Conley this week. We did Kylie Anderson. Now we're going to talk Rudy Gobert. And this is a bit of a loaded one. I could probably do like a whole week on Gobert, like diving into every part of his game. Um, and so we'll certainly revisit Gobert and the fit, especially on the offensive end of the floor later this offseason. Uh, we have plenty of time to do that. And I think as the Wolves potentially make moves to kind of tweak the roster. Again, I, I don't think there's any massive changes coming, but as we talked about, I think it was Monday's show, we talked about Torian Prince and Nas Reed, like one or both of those guys could be gone. You know, they could have a new backup point guard. As the Wolves try and fit the pieces around Gobert, because think about it, I mean, there were some other changes, of course, with, you know, Vanderbilt and Beasley and others going out and eventually with D'Lo going out. But basically the Wolves took Rudy Gobert and just dropped him into an existing team, right? Like he didn't come with anybody from Utah and, and, you know, eventually Mike Conley came over and, and there was some familiarity with Nikhil Alexander Walker, but now the Wolves have Gobert. He's a part of the reality for the next few years, as is Anthony Edwards, uh, almost certainly Jaden McDaniels and, and likely Carl Anthony Towns. So how do the other pieces fit, right? They know they have Kyle Anderson for another year. Um, you know, you have some of the rookies, like how does Josh Minot fit in? You know, you could have Jordan McLaughlin for another year. Do you move on from him? You could have Torian Prince for another year. Do you move on from him? Do you bring back Nas Reed? So there are a lot of questions on the fringes of this roster, even if four of the, and also Conley you have for another year. So even if five of your top six rotation players very likely will remain the same, there's real questions about spots seven, eight, nine in the rotation. And in some order, that's Nas Torian Prince, Jordan McLaughlin, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a free agent. So uh, we'll talk a lot this offseason about what the Wolves could do with those spots on the roster and how potential pieces would then fit with Rudy Gobert. Because as we saw this year, 
it's not super simple to just drop in Rudy and expect him to produce in the same way on both ends of the floor because this was not this was not Rudy Gobert's best season. I know this is going to shock you, uh, but like, let's just start here. So, one of the quickest and dirtiest ways to measure NBA players is win shares, right? Like, it's far from perfect, but it generally gives you a sense of of how impactful players are. You can rank players this way and, and it's, you know, pretty clear. It's one of those catch-alls, right? If you're not super familiar with the stat, it really, I think sometimes overweights rebounding, um, especially offensive rebounding, field goal percentage, et cetera. But it attempts to pull in efficiency um, and some of these other things. And so Gobert's always been one of the league's best win shares players because he's really good at the do stuff stuff, right? Like a steal rate's good for a big block rate's always been one of the best in the league. Uh, doesn't turn the ball over because the usage rate is is moderate at best. Uh, rebounds a ton. Great field goal percentage around the basket. He leads the league in field goal percentage, it seems like, every year going back. Um, what, three out of four seasons he led the league in field goal percentage his, his last four seasons prior to this one. So he does well in win shares. And this kind of came out, I think this might have been, I don't remember who said it, but it, it kind of trickled out that that was like Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez really like win shares. And it was really, you know, they were excited about the idea of bringing him in. That was one of the reasons why they targeted Gobert, which is, you know, good that they're paying attention to win shares because I'm pretty sure if we go back 10, 12 years, the Wolves front office had never heard of win shares. And so, you know, progress, I guess. Um, And I'm sure there was more that went into it. Obviously, Tim Connolly is more sophisticated than that. But um, that was one of those things that came out. Like Rudy Gobert had his worst win share per 48, which is a better way of measuring than just raw win shares because it takes into account uh, volume, right? How often they played, how frequently they played. Gobert's win shares per 48 was 174, technically 0.174, but I'll just say 174. That was down almost 100 points from last year. It was down 90 points. He was he was 264 last year. He hadn't had a win share per 48 below 200 since 2015-16, his third season in the league. And he's only been below 200 two times in nine years. His rookie year, when he was a part-time player, and that 15-16 season. He was above 200 in his second season as well. If you wanted to look at just raw win shares, the only time he's ever been below double digits since that 15-16 season was in 17-18 when he was injured and only played in 56 games. So that's a case of volume. He played in 14 more games than that this year and had less win shares. Uh, So that alone is a very, again, quick and dirty way, a snapshot of like, hey, this wasn't a good year for Rudy Gobert. We could look at all the other catch-alls and they would tell a similar story. Uh, One of the other really good ones is the ESPN Real Plus Minus. Um, And that has Rudy this season eighth among centers in real plus minus, which is fine until you remember what the Wolves gave up for him and what they're expecting him to to bring to the table. Um, Or I should say tied for eighth with Bam Adebayo. So tied for seventh, I guess, technically behind Miles Turner, Chris Epps, Porzingis, Nick Claxton, Brooke Lopez, Nikola Jokic, and Joel Embiid. Again, not perfect, but it's a decent catch-all. We look at his, uh, compared to last year, so so this year his offensive real plus minus was a negative 2.62. Last season, overall, he was third with a 7.95 real plus minus behind only Jokic and Embiid. That's important. His offensive real plus minus last year was only a minus 0.05. So the offensive real plus minus dropped significantly this year, and he was passed up by Bam, Turner, Porzingis, Claxton, and Lopez. Um, it's sliding from seventh, uh, sliding two seventh from third in overall centers in ESPN real plus minus. So the catch-alls kind of paint that picture, 
right? That this was not a good season for Rudy Gobert. And we could go on down the line and talk about the different categories in which he regressed, but the most important ones are rebounding to block shots and maybe not so coincidentally, or I don't know, um, Unfortunately, I guess those are the categories that the Wolves needed him to contribute in the most, right? The Wolves looked at what they did last year as a team and said, okay, we were one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the league and we didn't have much true rim protection. Like we got a decent number of blocks for McDaniels and Edwards, um, but like we didn't have consistent interior rim protection. So let's bring in Rudy Gobert, who's arguably the best in the league at both. And what does Gobert do? He turns in his worst rebound percentage since the 2017-18 season, he turns in the worst block percentage of his career, and it's not close. He only had one other season in his career with a block rate below five. This season, he has a block. He had a block rate of 3.9. He's led the league in block rate a couple of times, um, but he had a 3.9 this year, which is barely a blip on the radar of uh, you know the the list of centers because you know. Any any center that's any f- sort of rim protector is going to have a block rate in that neighborhood or better. Um, so the two biggest reasons the Wolves said, hey, we need Rudy Gobert are two areas that he did not deliver in compared to what he's done in the past. And if this were just a random season in Rudy Gobert's career, we'd say, OK, it's a, it's a blip. He's going to bounce back next year. But there's a couple of reasons why we have to be a little bit concerned about that. And, and part of that's age because this was his age 30 season. He's now on the wrong side of 30. Part of it is what the Wolves gave up for him. You know, the the four first round picks, the pick swap, Walker, Kessler, uh, Beasley, Vanderbilt. Like we go on down the list. Um, that's a part of it too. Like that matters. As much as, as much as I wish we could remove that from the national discourse about the Timberwolves because I think the Wolves are now unfairly like there's a scarlet letter on the wolves of, Hey, you know, Minnesota doesn't know what they're doing because they gave up all the stuff for Rudy. Therefore nothing they do is good. I think we're still kind of in that weird zone that un frankly unfair zone. Um, but when we're talking about Gobert's performance this season, the context matters and the context of what the wolves gave up for him and where he's at in his career and his contract, his super max deal, all of those things matter too. I want to dig a bit more into what didn't work with Gobert this year, specifically X's and O's wise lineups, uh, some of the lineup data. Um, and, and if there's hope that some of these numbers could bounce back in 2023, 24 and beyond, because here's the thing, Rudy's not going anywhere for a little while. All right. We're going to do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. A big thank you once again for making Locked On Wolves your first listed every day. Of course, every day as we're back on Friday. We're going to be Jade McDaniels on Friday as we move through the Wolves roster. Next week, we have Towns Edwards. We also have an exciting guest scheduled to be on the show late next week. Uh, episode will probably air Friday, um, and I'll announce it once everything gets 100% confirmed, but it'll be a, a, a national guest to give us some good perspective from a really, uh, a really, really good national perspective on the Wolves. Um, so we'll get to that next week as well. All right, uh, related to Gobert, we talked about being the worst season in a while for him. There's no way around that. There just isn't. All the catch-alls agree. Rebounding block shots were the biggest issues. And to be clear, like he still had good numbers in those areas, uh, but they're just they're just good, right? And if you're the, op- the opportunity cost to acquire Rudy Gobert and the literal cap number that's applied to Rudy Gobert, you need more than what he gave you this year. Um, and, you know, to, to, to be fair, again, good production. He marginally improved the Wolves in a few different areas. He had a solid offensive year. He still shot 66% for the field. The free throw rate did go down pretty considerably. Part of that's because the usage rate dipped, but also the usage rate wasn't that out of whack with what he did previously in his career. Um, it was down a little from the last couple seasons, but his first All-Star year in 1920, Gobert actually had a usage rate slightly lower than what it was this season. Otherwise, this would be his lowest since 2016. So it was a little low compared to what it was in Utah, but it wasn't a lot low. So to see his free throw rate dip as low as it did, I mean, he went like, it's just easier to explain this with free throw attempts per game, which isn't, well, it works. 4.9 free throw attempts per game. The last time he was less than five free throw attempts per game was 2016. Um, so, and at the line, he was really, he was in line with his career average in terms of percentage. So that wasn't a big deal either way. I do think honestly, and this is, I think this is a real thing. Like, I think part of this has to do with playing for the Timberwolves and not getting a good whistle. And, and also the way the Wolves complain is a bit contagious. And I, you know, I think Gobert has always kind of, I don't know that Gobert has necessarily changed the way he acts towards the officials, but as the year went on, I think the Wolves as a team became a bit more apoplectic and with good reason in a lot of cases, I've said this before on the show, I think both could be true. The Wolves complain too much. They just do and they don't do it in a good way, an effective way, as, you know, namely like Ant complaining every time down the floor, Cat uh, who has improved a little behaving the way that he often does. Like, I don't think the Wolves do this well and they deserve a lot of the technicals they get. But I also think the Timberwolves get a really a bad whistle. They just do. And and I laugh when I see fans and podcasters and bloggers of other teams say that about their teams. Uh, and I just like, it's flabbergasting to me how bad the uh, the whistle is the Wolves get often. And Gobert, I think it's can be lumped into that. Ant, Gobert, Cat, all of them. Um, and I think as players join the Wolves, they're like, hey, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And and the Wolves, again, it's it's a vicious circle. As I've said many times, I think the Wolves complaining leads to that subconsciously or consciously from officials. Um, but anyway, Gobert had a, like, that's a pretty good example of this. Like, Gobert hasn't had an assist, uh, excuse me, a free throw rate this low in ever, really. Like, actually, literally, this is the lowest free throw rate, not free throws per game, free throw rate, which is um, number of free throws per three throw attempts per field goal attempt, the lowest of his career. Like this is a pretty good example of like, Hey, what's going on here with officiating in the Timberwolves? That's part of it. It's not like he's suddenly shooting jumpers, right? Like he made that one weird turnaround against whoever that was. Uh, But like, you know, Gobert wasn't shooting less from around the rim. That's uh, in fact, he shot 
he shot more from closer to the rim than he did last year in Utah. And yet his, his assist, his free throw rate, excuse me, dropped considerably. So I don't know. It, that is part of it too. Gobert, like all the raw, the per game numbers that all went down to, I think a big part of this was understanding fit, right? So obviously with Carl Anthony Towns, now the two of them only played in, uh, what, 27 regular season games together in the five playoff games. So that was part of it. But the bigger issue was the Gobert-D'Angelo Russell pairing early in the year. D'Lo and Gobert and anti-Gobert, which is which is actually the story. And I said this, I, I forget who it was. There was a comment on Twitter about Gobert and Towns. I think it might have been during the play-in games that somebody who isn't doesn't cover the Wolves had made a comment about Gobert and Towns showing some chemistry. And I replied with something to the effect of, I mean, they had, did have chemistry early this season before Towns got hurt. The bigger story has been the lack of chemistry between Gobert and Anthony Edwards. And if you think about it, with Towns off the floor, the first part of the season, it was Mike Conley and it was, or excuse me, it was D'Angelo Russell and it was Anthony Edwards initiating Timberwolves offense. They were the ones tasked with getting the ball to Rudy Gobert in advantageous spots to score with running pick and roll, with getting him the ball on rim runs. Um, and that didn't happen. D'Lo is just bad at getting the ball to the post. And for whatever reason, insisted on throwing the ball at Gobert's ankles. And like Gobert doesn't have the best hands in the world. They're better than Jared Vanderbilt. I, I can almost promise you that. He's also got a really big uh, wingspan, right? Like the radius that you could throw the ball and and uh, and get, you know allow Gobert to get it is massive. And yet D'Angelo Russell still insisted on throwing it below the knees of Gobert. And it's Sometimes Gobert missed better passes like that did happen some of the time, but it, there was it was a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy from Delo's perspective where he was mad that Gobert didn't catch all his passes. So then he just started flinging terrible passes at Gobert full well knowing he probably wasn't going to catch him all the time, but it made Rudy look bad. Right. Um, I'm not at all suggesting that like Delo sabotaged Rudy Gobert. I just think that that's part of Delo's thing. Right. It, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy like ah, Rudy's got bad hands, so I'll just throw the ball at him. And if he doesn't catch it, that's that's the problem. Hey, Rudy's the problem. Um that said, Gobert deserves some culpability here too, because you can't just say like, oh, well, the only guy that can get me the ball is Mike Conley. Like that that doesn't make sense either. So at some point, like Ant's not going anywhere, Rudy Gobert's not going anywhere, at least not in the next year. Probably two, right? They've got to figure this out. The Ant Gobert two man game has to improve. Now the overall numbers are fine. Like we'll get into the lineup data here in a minute. They were a, a, a positive net rating, Gobert and Edwards were. But the pick and roll chemistry was never there. Ant very rarely, very rarely passed the ball to Rudy Gobert in pick and roll. Um, and it was just kind of like, defense is new. If Rudy's screening for Anthony Edwards, we're going to keep two on Edwards. We're just going to trap. We're going to try and get the ball out of his hands because we know he'll just, if if he passes it, he's going to kick it back to somebody else on the perimeter. He's not going to try and hit Gobert on the roll. We don't have to worry about that. We don't even really have to worry about a low man. We'll stay home on the perimeter and he won't be able to get the ball to Rudy. And we saw that far too often. And I don't know, I mean, there's, there's, I'm sure, different ways that the Wolves could drill this in the offseason when trying to figure out a way to find some chemistry with a Rudy, uh, Anthony Edwards pick and roll. Um, but they've got to figure that out. And, of course, the Wolves' optimal offense isn't strictly pick and roll, but that's what Conley and Gobert are able to play and play so well together. Um, the Wolves need to find a different way to deploy Gobert with Anthony Edwards on the floor at the same time successfully. And I said in the playoffs, I thought the Wolves could go or should go to almost exclusively Conley Gobert pick and rolls in the middle of the floor and space Edwards and Towns and just play off of the Conley Gobert pick and roll. Um, 
allow Towns to catch and shoot from the perimeter, allow him to pump fake and go, um, and then have Ant as a cutter and a secondary playmaker if the pick and roll breaks down with with Conley and uh, and Gobert. Um, now that's completely oversimplifying things, and there needs to be you know more actions and more things involved, but. Using Gobert the way that they did this year just is is not entirely sustainable um, because you're paying him too much money to be that little of a part in your offense. And my theory in the offseason last year was like, hey, put him in the dunker spot. He's going to be better than Jared Vanderbilt. It wasn't quite that simple because um, it just the 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 he needed the ball more often to be happy. Right. He also didn't run the floor like Vanderbilt. And so even if Gobert in the half court was as effective as Jared Vanderbilt was he wasn't as effective in the open floor. Gobert doesn't get down the floor nearly as fast as Vanderbilt. He's not as athletic. He doesn't move the way Vanderbilt does. He doesn't succeed with the ball in his hands in the fast break, which Vanderbilt could put the ball on the floor. He could pass. And I'm comparing those two because that's the spot that Gobert was plugged into in the offense was the what was previously the Vanderbilt role. And the transition stuff, all season, the Wolves were bad in transition, offensively and defensively. On In, in terms of offensive transition, the biggest issue there was Gobert. Like he slowed down the, and also D'Angelo Russell. They both slowed down the pace. Gobert wasn't good with the ball in his hands in the open floor, but he ended up with it far too often. Um, and Vanderbilt was better in that role. And also secondary break. Like, you know, it all kind of fits together. So while Gobert was overall a plus offensively, well, you could argue he wasn't. Well, overall, though, he was fine offensively and he was good on the glass and he was good defensively. It was never to the level of what the Wolves expected it to be given the cost to acquire him and the salary he's being paid now. All right, let's close by looking at some lineup data. We'll put a bow on the Gobert conversation. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so putting a bow, a bow on the Rudy Gobert conversation here, uh, let's look at some lineup data as we did with some of the other players um, You know, throughout this review, especially rotation guys. I think I like looking at the two-man numbers and kind of building out from there. In terms of two-man pairings, Rudy Gobert was fine with all the Timberwolves' main rotation guys, or I should say really their starters, guys that started games in general. His best two-man, not surprisingly, was Kyle Anderson. We talked about this in the slow-mo show the other day. They were a plus 7.1. I think it's also notable that he didn't have any pairings better than that, which speaks to Gobert's overall the ceiling, the cap that he had on his actual effectiveness this year, that his best two-man pairing was only a plus 7.1. That's, uh, you know, it's disappointing. Um, but Anderson was his best two-man. His next best was in just 42 minutes, Matt Ryan, so we'll throw that one out. Um, and then it's Mike Conley. In 611 minutes, they were a plus 3.2, which was to be expected because they were so good together in Utah. It's a big reason why the Wolves ended up with Conley and not, say, Kyle Lowry is because of the Conley-Gobert kind of built-in synergy that they already had. Tim Connolly had the expectation that they would fit well together um, in the Timberwolves' offense, and they did. Um, the offensive rating, if you want to look at offensive rating, his best offensive rating was Mike Conley. Um, and then, his, again, his second best overall net rating was Mike Conley. Next was Jordan McLaughlin, relatively limited minutes because of injuries to McLaughlin this year, only 173, but that was a plus 2.9. Then McDaniels, then Edwards, then Towns, then D'Angelo Russell, a slight positive, a 0.2. 
those guys were all the players who started the most games for the Wolves this year. They were all positive net ratings with Rudy Gobert. Because again, Rudy Gobert still has a positive impact on the game. It just isn't as overwhelmingly positive as it was in Utah and as the Wolves paid for it to be when they traded for Rudy Gobert, right? If if you're trading for a guy who's a slight net positive and you're altering the way you're playing on both ends of the floor, you're not giving up four first-round picks, five if you include Kessler, six if you include the pick swap, and a couple of other rotation players in Vanderbilt and Beasley. Like, that that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense otherwise, right? So, um, negatives, though, for basically everybody off the bench, which, like, was 400-plus minutes for, you know, Prince, Noel, Austin Rivers, negatives with all those guys. A negative seven with Austin Rivers in 446 minutes. Um so, which, you know, part of that's those guys too, right? We already did the Rivers show. We did the Noel show. We did the Prince show. We talked about all of their issues this year because none of them played as well as the Wolves needed them to. I mean, the only, like, really, Rivers was just kind of there. He was just solid, a replacement level type player. Prince shot well from three, but was bad defensively. It was, um, well, I shouldn't say bad. Below average defensively. Didn't bring what he had his career worst rebounding season. Noel was bad this year for much of the season, um, just overall. Like, so I'm not blaming those things on Gobert, but um, the positives that he had with the Wolves, again, primarily the starters, weren't positive enough. And if we take this a step further and look at the three-man lineups, the, the, the three-player lineups, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily tell us all that much more. Um, so his best lineups that had any sort of, like, regular rhythm to them somewhat surprisingly, was the Gobert-Anderson-Prince lineup. They were a plus 11.5. And we talked about Gobert and Anderson having good numbers. And he and Prince were only a slight negative. So a plus 11.5. Gobert, Towns, and... Or excuse me, Gobert, Anderson, and D'Lo were a plus 10.8. Gobert, McLaughlin, and Edwards played, you know, only 86 minutes, but that was a plus 9.9, which I think that's interesting. We did see there were a couple of games. It was like kind of the sweet spot between McLaughlin's return from injury and then when he suddenly started playing terrible. Uh, there were a couple of games in there where that lineup just like saved the Wolves. And so they still ended up a plus 9.9. And then the McLaughlin Edwards backcourt was never really that successful as, as the year wore on towards the end of the season. The one that's most intriguing to me is the 762 minutes that he played with Anderson and Jaden McDaniels, which um, Anderson, you know, Anderson started a bunch when Towns was out. So that was three, three men from what became the regular starting lineup, Anderson, Gobert, and McDaniels. They were a plus 9.7 together. It says a lot about Anderson and what he did, especially offensively, and a lot of what McDaniels did defensively. But I think we're going to see a lot more of those long lineups for the Wolves next year. And I still think Kyle Anderson, and we said this the other day, I think his ultimate role is the super sixth man for the Wolves. I don't know that he's the idea is that he's a regular starter for Minnesota, especially if everybody comes back as expected next year in the lineup, because you're still going to have Conley Edwards, uh, McDaniels, Townsend Gobert, almost certainly. So Anderson, of course, will come off the bench. Uh, but I do, we're still going to see a lot of Anderson playing, you know, kind of layering those minutes in, in the rotation and playing with guys in the starting lineup and playing with Gobert, especially. So um, all that to say, I think Gobert has helped with additional length on the perimeter. He's helped with playmaking on offense. Um, and, you know, that's, that's what we'll have to look for here as, as we go into next year and see what, again, what those moves are going to be on the fringes of the roster for Tim Connolly and the front office. Um, I also think going back to the big picture thing with Gobert and, and how he struggled this season and and just didn't bring what the Wolves needed him to, um, the all-defensive voting was released this week. I think it was on Wednesday and Gobert didn't receive, or maybe it was Tuesday. Gobert didn't receive a single vote 
And I don't have the exact data to back this up, but I don't think that I, I think he's gotten at least one vote basically every year for years now. And he wasn't even on the anyone's ballots, which says a ton about the national perception of Gobert. I think it says more about that than Gobert's actual impact, because I would never suggest Gobert wasn't good defensively this year. And, and I talked about how the numbers all show he was a solid defensive player this year. Um, they, he just wasn't the impactful player that he should be. But the the lack of defensive votes overall, that is the story there is more about the narrative surrounding Rudy Gobert. Um, but again, this is another both could be true situation. The trade could be a bad trade. And at this moment, it looks like a bad trade. It doesn't mean it's a bad trade forever. It doesn't mean that suddenly things won't click next year and Edwards and Gobert develop this incredible chemistry that could happen. But it also doesn't mean Rudy Gobert is a bad player or that the Timberwolves are suddenly like the dumbest franchise in the league, right? Both can be true with the Gobert conversation. He was a plus player this year for the Wolves, but the domino effect of his acquisition plus the Towns injury meant they won six less regular season games or six less, four less, four less regular season games. And to me, the highest level look at this is like, hey, the Wolves made this big move and they got worse. But then if you take it one layer deeper and you talk about Towns missing that many games and re- and integrating Gobert, and you don't give the Wolves a full pass on this season, but you understand why Chris Fitch had some problems because he was dealing with trying to figure out, you know, most of the summer at training camp, like how do we make Towns and Gobert work together throughout October or November? And then all of a sudden, Towns is gone. Now you figure out how to win without him, which they, they were 500 without him. Towns comes back. We got to figure it. So like, there's a lot of noise here. And a lot of th- reasons why there, this could still work for the Timberwolves. And, and a lot of the things I talked about last offseason about the Gobert fit, which, again, we'll get into some of that later this summer still, too, that still applies. It's just now we've seen that it was a bit more difficult for it to be applied, <laughs> for you know plugging Gobert in to be, or, or it was more difficult to plug in Gobert than perhaps uh, many of us expected it to be. All right. Um, that's all I got in Gobert. Like, I don't know what else to say other than he was not as good as he has been the last several years. It was disappointing given the opportunity or the the acquisition cost, I should say, and his salary. Uh, but he was still a good player this season and there's opportunity. The question is, does he improve the rebound rate? Does he improve the block rate when he's going to be in his age 31 season? Um, will the familiarity, will not play in Eurobasket in the offseason? I didn't mention that earlier. I should have like he that he was worn out in the fall because he played in Eurobasket. Like he gets the summer off now. How does he look in fall? How do the Wolves integrate everybody? What do they do at the fringe of the roster? There's so many questions, but there's no question that this was a disappointing overall season for Rudy Gobert and the Wolves. All right. On Friday, we're going to do Jaden McDaniels. Uh, So, a uh, big thank you for making us your first listen every day. That's what you can expect to hear on Friday. Uh, of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. You can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.